the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Real Life Radio is sponsored by River City Community Church. Welcome to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas, a church that exists to help people find the real life they were created for, and that's according to John 10.10. That's where Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And real life is found in an active daily relationship with God, and Jesus came to make that relationship possible because it's all about Him. If you're ready for a good Bible study in the book of Philippians, that's where Pastor Sean picks up in this series called Under Construction. The message is called Perspectives on Adversity. And by the way, you can follow along with an outline to this message that's posted at reallife.org, where you'll also find an archive of over 100 sermons. Let's get right into this message. And this is Real Life Radio. Well, from last week, I say grace and peace to you. Remember what we talked about? How that phrase where Paul opens uh, the book of Philippians, we're in this series called Under Construction. That phrase, grace and peace, is kind of a one-line summary of the gospel. Grace and peace to you. Peace is our destination. Peace with God. Peace with one another. That's what God created us for. That's what he is working in our lives. Grace is how we get there. Peace is our destination. Grace is how we get there. We saw that God's grace isn't just at salvation, although it is at salvation. We are saved by grace, through faith. But it's a whole lifestyle thing because the presence of God in us is the one bringing the work about. He is doing a work in us. We are under construction. But He's the one by the power of His Spirit, by His presence in us, that wants to live this righteousness through us. And that is great news. It's not about me kind of mustering up all my discipline and being good enough. It is about me saying, Jesus, I want to commune with you and just let you live through me. That's a whole different perspective. There's a song that has been um, running through my head all week long. I, I, last week, end of last week, I heard about a group called the, uh, called the, oh, what's their name? The Maxwells. The, uh, what's their names? Sons of Maxwell. Band out of Canada. Country band out of Canada. Who'd have thought? Okay. I didn't know that existed. Okay. It's a country band out of Canada. The lead singer's name is Dave Carroll. They were going actually to Nebraska to play a gig, okay? And at O'Hare Airport, they were in the plane and some of the bags were still being transferred and someone on the plane looks out the window and goes, oh my gosh, look at the way they're throwing those guitars around out there. And the band members are just like, anytime a musician hears that, you know, it's like, I'm a little nervous right now. Cover your ears, baby. It's okay. You're You're good. I mean, you, you, you get nervous because it's like, oh my gosh. And these guys look out, and you know, that little window, they're like this. And it's true. The baggage handlers in O'Hare were throwing these guitars totally cares, carelessly. And, and this guy, Dave Carroll, had a, had, had checked like a $3,500 custom tailor guitar. And you know, when you have a guitar, you're a musician and you do that professionally and you have to do it week in, week out and, and you find one that you like, it's, it's like a big deal. You don't just go to the music store and buy another one. Okay, so he's, you know, with his face on the window, they get to where they're going in Nebraska. And sure enough, his guitar was uh, the neck had snapped. And, you know, it's just like, 
you know, I mean, I, I feel, I'm feeling sick for him right now. I could get a little emotional with this story, so please bear with me, okay? It might not be a big deal to you, but right, right now I'm struggling. He goes to the United Airlines uh, counter and, you know, says to them, says, you know, gee, look what happened. Here's my luggage. You know, we need to get this taken care of. Sir, we can't take care of your guitar. We don't do that with instruments. You do it at your own risk. He's like, I have testimony of people. He got the names. that They saw them throwing them. We saw them throwing the guitars carelessly at O'Hare. Your people, your guys. Yeah, sorry, sir. Nine months, he goes through this. Nine months, he's calling different ones, calling this manager, calling that manager, getting phone calls back. Nine months, nothing. At the end, finally, one lady says, sir, this is our final word on it. We cannot cover this. We are not going to take care of this. And he says to them, he says, okay. He says, that's fine. I have tried. I've done everything I can. He says, I want you to know I'm going to make three music videos and put them on YouTube t- telling the story of, of you breaking my guitar. And they're like, you know, they're like, whatever, sir. Good luck with that. 6.5 million hits later. It's awesome. It's called United Breaks Guitars. I've had that song running through my head. United, you broke my Taylor guitar. United, some big help you are. You broke, you broke it, you should fix it. You're liable, just admit it. I should have flown with someone else or gone by car. Because United breaks guitars. The musicians strike back. And the video, the first video, it's so, it's like so homemade. I mean, just he and his friends, and they're hilarious. I mean, they're just really funny. It's called United Breaks Guitars, okay? You need to check it out. The second one is bigger. It's like they got more. And the third one's still in process, okay? But you need to know, that's, that's not where it ends, okay? It, by the way, in the video, when the guitar is broken, they, he, he shows him sitting there, and there's a little chalk line around the guitar with a broken neck. <laughs> He's got a blanket on and a cup of coffee like a little victim, you know. (laughs) Taylor Guitars heard about what he was doing and the 6.5 million hits. They, in grateful appreciation, gave him two custom handmade Taylor Guitars to replace his. Happy ending, right? Oh, it's not done. (laughs) The happy ending gets happier. Because United also saw the 6.5 million Viral hits on this song called United Breaks Guitars. They called him, uh, sir, sir, we've reconsidered. <laughs> you think? And they said, we, we, we want to take care of this. We want to make it right. He's like, yeah, I'm not interested anymore. And he was very nice about it. He said, honestly, you know, I, g- I gave you nine months. He said, if you guys will just, if you guys will make a, a donation in the equivalent value to a charity of your choice and just give us a receipt, let us know. He said, I'll let people know. And he said, you know, that, that's it. I mean, that is a great story. Happy ending. But when he was sitting in Nebraska with his busted guitar being told, nope. After one month of phone calls being told, nope. Two months, nope. It's pretty dark. There's always a difference. Paul Harvey had it, didn't he? He would tell a story and, and, you know, he would tell a story up to a certain point. There'd be a commercial break. Then he'd come back. And now for what? The rest of the story. The rest of this story is awesome, obviously, especially for us musicians. It's like, yeah. But that's what this passage of scripture we're going to look at this morning 
is for the Apostle Paul. It's kind of like the rest of the story. We're going to begin at verse 12 in Philippians 1. And what you have to understand is they were in the midst of something a whole lot more serious than a broken guitar. Okay, right? I mean, they, their, their, their leader, the apostle who founded the church, had been arrested and thrown in jail. They'd been beaten. He'd been arrested. And honestly, now it was, this had been multiple arrests. He was in Rome. So this wasn't a game. This was serious. And it was scary. Can you imagine if persecution got so bad here, you heard, I was arrested, Willie was arrested, Jason. I mean, one of the pastors here, small group leaders being arrested. Paul says later in chapter 1, at the end of chapter 1, he says to them that you're suffering in similar ways. You're having similar types of conflict. In other words, the persecution was kind of ramping up there in Philippi as well. And you have to understand that when Paul was writing in prison... He had gotten notice from them. All they knew is, oh my gosh, Paul's in prison. This is a bad deal. And also there is this, there is this sense about Paul's the one who preaches Jesus as Lord. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Um, if Jesus is Lord, Paul, why are you in prison? Because you know there were some who said that. And in Philippi, they knew, wait a minute. When you go in prison, God can set you free. Because remember, Paul and Silas were in prison. They prayed and sang at midnight, and the whole prison jail shook, and doors flew open, and they were released, right? Why isn't God doing it now? Are, are you out of favor somehow? Are you teaching false doctrine? What's, what's going on, Paul? All these negatives, and that's all they know, and that was the reality as they saw it. Paul is now going to, and this piece of his letter, give them what Paul Harvey would call the rest of the story. I'm going to start reading at verse 12. Now, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard. Now, we're talking about the Praetorian guard, the Roman guard, the royal guard. These are extremely connected, influential guards who guarded Caesar, his officials, the key military posts. Throughout the whole palace guard, and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. You see, he listed two new things. There's been a new occurrence, a whole new audience for the gospel, and there's been a new perspective, kind of a new boldness that the other brothers are carrying out with. And the new occurrence, for example, wouldn't have happened had he not been in prison. You understand, Paul is sitting there, he's chained to a guard, which was common. There would be a guard chained to him. There would be a guard outside. And you know, you ever been sitting on an airline uh, in an airline with someone who likes to chat a lot and you're wanting to get some sleep you know you know the feeling that's how the guards start to feel because paul's like so what's your name you heard about jesus oh good we've got time and it's time to take a quick minute to remind you you're listening to radio for real life with sean azaro the pastor of river city community church in this message called perspectives on adversity which, by the way, hundreds of sermons are available right now on the sermons page at reallife.org. You can even watch video podcasts of Pastor Sean Azaro. And if you're looking for a new church home, here's your invitation from Pastor Sean. Do you ever look at your life and feel like you were made for something more? Jesus made a simple statement. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give you abundant life, real life. I talk to a lot of people, and many seem to feel like they're settling for a whole lot less. Hi, I'm Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church, and we are so convinced that we were made for something better. We call ourselves a church for real life. 
I'd like to invite you to join us for one of our weekend gatherings, which are an exciting and artistic blend of music, reflection, and practical insights, all designed to explore the life that God meant for us. River City is located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Otama Park. Service times are Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 9.30 and 11.15 a.m. River City is a church for real life, so our home on the web is reallife.org. To find out more, visit us online at reallife.org. God created you for something very special. Come find out more at River City Community Church. And let's get back to this message from Pastor Sean Azaro called Perspectives on Adversity, where we find the Apostle Paul in prison. And this is Real Life Radio. Paul is sitting there. He's chained to a guard, which was common. There would be a guard chained to him. There would be a guard outside. And, you know, you ever been sitting on an airline uh, in an airline with someone who likes to chat a lot and you're wanting to get some sleep you know you know the feeling that's how the guards start to feel because paul's like so what's your name have you heard about jesus oh good we've got time <clears throat> i mean really and and the guards sitting there Dear Lord. but but eventually something begins to happen these guards start to be convinced hey wait something's different this guy's not a crazy radical he's not a terrorist he's not any of these things Paul says they're starting to see I'm in change because of Christ. And they begin to hear. Some historians and theologians believe that this Praetorian guard, there became believers among them because of Paul's imprisonment. And that they may have been influential within about 250-some, 300 years. The Roman emperor Constantine becomes a believer. And they believe it may have been because of this work that happened among the Praetorian guard who were most connected to the royal family. All because Paul was in prison and then changed. And Paul's pointing out, had I not been here, that never would happen. That's the rest of the story. He also says some of the brothers are now taking up with more boldness. This has caused them to see, hey, wait a minute. We can't put our confidence in what's happening here. They started to look at life differently and they started to speak up more boldly. Paul says that wouldn't have happened if I weren't here. This is the rest of the story. Verse 15. It's true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. What does it matter? What a praise. You need to make note of that. But what does it matter? He's in prison. He's in chains. There are people trying to make him look bad by the way they are carrying out ministry. What does it matter? You know what Paul's saying there? It's not about me. It's not about me. Remember that series we did? It's not about me. What a great perspective. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice. Paul's saying it's not about me. It's about Jesus. And yes, there are people who have bad motives. And they're doing ministry for bad motives. I'll tell you, as a pastor, as a minister, that bugs me. Okay? I'm kind of a justice guy. You know what I'm saying? Some of you out there, some of you are all, oh, just, your most natural approach is, oh, forget it and forget it. Yeah, not me so much. Okay? I have to work at that. Okay? And it's not that I, I like giving grace. I love giving grace where there's appropriate repentance, where hearts have been made right, where we can move on properly. But when there's not, it's like, I'm like, but that's unjust. You remember what I, what I shared a, a number of weeks ago in the uh, Passing the Stress Test series? There was one little line that says, leave justice to the judge. That's one I've, I've had to work at and still in process learning. Leave justice to the judge. Remember, remember Paul wrote Romans, 
Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. You don't have to make it right. And if there's people doing ministry out of wrong motives, the thing that bugs me is you end up, that's what gets publicized. That's what's out in the media. Anytime a pastor does something wrong, it's everywhere. Ha, ah, look what all pastors are like. When I know for every one, there's thousands who they're not making a lot of money. They're serving people in their congregations. They're building leaders. They're loving people. They're doing, they're doing the work of the gospel to the best of their ability. But that one is put up. I'm like, okay, what you ought to do is just numeric. Okay, fine. Tell the truth about this one. That's fine. But now tell the truth about five over here who are serving in inner city missions, who are serving in small churches here, who are serving in large churches, but they're serving faithfully. Tell their story too once in a while. How about that? But that doesn't happen. So, we get, so I become angry about those injustices. And Paul's saying, you know what? Don't sweat it. If Christ is preached... Let God sort it out because God's able to use good motives and bad motives. And don't we all have mixed motives, really, when it comes down to it? You know, I got to be careful. I start pointing fingers and judging other ministries. Well, they're just in it for this. They're just in it for that. They're just in it. And I ought to realize, wait a minute, what, what exactly am I in it for? There's no times when I'm sitting here thinking more about me than the needs of the fellowship. Yeah, that'd be a lie if I said that. There are not times I have to repent and go, Lord, I'm sorry, I was thinking more about me than... So Paul's saying, doesn't matter. It's not about me. Don't worry about it. If Christ is being preached and people are seeing Jesus as the way, praise God. That's what it's about. That's mature. That's strong. Strong like bull. And you know, I don't just say that about anything. I got to go back and read the last line. Yes, I will continue to rejoice because the next verse, verse 19, which is a key verse. You should underline this verse if you have it in the notes there, or if you have it in your, your copy of scriptures, circle something, make note of this. This is a key verse. This is why this is possible. This is why, this is why this is not just positive mental attitude. Okay. This is not just Paul being positive, stiff upper lip kind of thing. Okay. He says, yes, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Another translation says, through your prayers and the supply given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ. That's really what that word was used for in the original language. It was a word that was commonly in Paul's day used to talk about an amount of money that, that drama troops, choral troops would pray the, pay these Greek dramatists and, and singers. And it was enough to take care of all their needs. They were just kind of kept people. They were kept. All their needs were taken care of, housing, all the stuff. And so this phrase, my, the supply of the Spirit, meant everything that I need. Through your prayers and the Spirit providing everything that I need, I know this will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope. Really, that's the key theme of this whole section here. I expect and hope. I know I'm in jail. I know things are bad. But I have hope and expectation because of what he just said. The prayers, the work of the Spirit. I expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or death. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I want you to read that as though for the first time. We've heard that phrase. It's so common in Christian circles. It's like, oh, yeah, what a, what a cool thing. Yeah, Paul, say it again. It's good. Picture you're reading it for the first time, and it's like your friend and guy who helped launch your church that you care about and you're starting to feel some persecution and it's kind of getting close to home it's getting real and he writes for me to live is christ to die is gain 
He doesn't just stop there. He kind of expounds on it. If I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I don't know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. Paul understood something that I think evades a lot of us folks. I desire to be with Christ, which is better by far. But it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. But I care about you and I think you still need some help and I still think I can be an encouragement. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your your progress and joy in the faith so that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow on account of me. To live is Christ, to die is gain. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it's more necessary that I remain with you. He's torn. And this is not just flowery words. This is, he's really torn. Man, death. To be with Christ, eternity. Do you you see the difference? Paul saw something totally different. He looked at things differently. There's a great book called Tuesdays with Maury. If you haven't read it, you should get it and read it. It's written by a guy named Mitch Album, who's a sports writer, who was asked to, he kind of began to have conversations with an old college professor who was kind of a mentor to him, named Maury Schwartz. And Maury had a terminal illness and was dying. And Mitch would travel from another city every Tuesday to just meet with Maury and because Maury wanted to write down some of the things he was learning about death through the process. Now, I don't think Maury was a Christian that I, that I know of. Maybe he was. It doesn't specifically lay that out in the book. But I will tell you, he stumbled on some very powerful Christian truths. And one of them was, was this. I want to I say it right. He said, when you learn how to die, you learn how to live. And that's true. Do you know why? And what he was pointing out was so often the fear of death keeps us from really living. You ever thought about that? The fear of death and, and its various forms, okay? You know, all, all fear kind of stems down from that. Fear of death is like the ultimate one, okay? All the others kind of stem fear of what people will think. Fear of not having enough. Fear of physical harm coming to me or my family. All the All the fears... When you learn to die, you learn to live because you create, Maury talks about this detachment. And, and, he, and he's not talking about not living life to the fullest. What he's talking about is you just detach yourself from the fear because you begin to understand, okay, death is inevitable here. And Paul has a totally different take on that. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. But his view of death, his view of life, was so different that he recognized death is just this transition to really the cool part of life. Not that this part isn't great, because that's why he's torn. He's torn between it. But he so understands death differently. That's some powerful stuff. He's got an eternal perspective on things. This is what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians verse 4. This was a pretty personal book where he was writing a lot about kind of his own personal journey. And there's some great stuff in it, 2 Corinthians 4. I'm going to start reading verse 16. Paul says, therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. Yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles. This is Paul who had been multiple times beaten and imprisoned. Paul, who was a wanted man. This is Paul, who'd been deprived, hungry. Our light and momentary troubles. I love that. It's not that he's being, you know, flippant here. Listen to what he says. They are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweigh them all. 
in comparison. And here's the secret. Verse 18. We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. This is deep stuff, folks. Verse 19 is the whole key. I know through your prayers and the help, the supply given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened will turn out for my deliverance. See, he saw supernatural resources being released in the natural world. There are supernatural resources that can be released here in the natural world. It was at Alamo Cafe this week. We took some guys who were, were some consultants who were working with us on, uh, on some database stuff and some technical things, and we took them to lunch at Alamo Cafe. Ran into Victoria Flores. Now, Randall and Victoria Flores moved south of town. They used to attend church here. Great friends. Absolutely love them, but it's a really far drive now. So they're going to a church closer to where they live. They drop by once in a while. They're dear, dear friends. But I hadn't seen Victoria in months. She runs up to me at Alamo Cafe. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad I ran into. I have been fasting and praying. And I keep asking God, who do you want me to fast and pray for? He keeps saying you, Sean. You know how that makes me feel? You know what I told you last week about this last nine months has been some of the hardest of my life as far as just the work and as far as what we've been going through. To know that it's not about just me. It's not about just us, but that God is there. And to know that Father put me on someone's heart who lives now an hour or so away. And he put me on her heart and said, fast and pray for Rosaro. Do you know he's doing that for you? There's people praying for you? It is not just up to you. Supernatural resources bursting into the natural world. Power of prayer and the work of the Spirit. That's what Paul's talking about. And if there's anything I want you to remember, this is it. This is the main point. Write it down. The secret to facing adversity is remembering that adversity doesn't get the final word. That's it. That's it? That's it. Well, then I'll just remind you that you've been listening to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. And we'll just hear the rest of this message next week, but you're more than welcome to visit River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road, right behind Rotama Park. The service time's on Saturday nights at 5 and Sundays at 9.30 and 11.15. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262. Radio for Real Life is a service of River City Community Church, as next time we'll continue this series called Under Construction. We hope you join us again next time for more Real Life. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.